0: morning. So, this morning, um I want to talk about God's story. Our lives are full of stories, and if you know Jesus as your savior, then you're part of God's story. See, we all have favorite stories, right? Some stories are in books, some stories are movies, and some stories were books and then were made into movies. But we all have favorite stories. If I were to ask you what's your favorite Book, you would have an answer what's your favorite movie you'd have an answer some of our stories are happy some of them are tragic some of them are dramatic some are action-filled we, we all love stories the point is we all love good story in fact we're all good storytellers. There, there was a there was a time when I was in seminary and a, a small group of guys we got together with our wives And we invited one of the profs over. We wanted to hear his story, right? We wanted to be able to pick his brain. And um, that scoundrel, we sat down to eat, and he immediately took charge. And he started going around the table. So, Art, tell me your story, you know? So, of course, whenever you're asked to tell your story, you're like, yeah, I'd love to tell you my story. So, he went around the table, took all of dinner in the dessert, got everybody's story when it when it came around to him, he said, well, Gene, I think it's time for us to go. And and they made a very gracious exit. It didn't seem weird at all that they got up and left. And after the door closed, we all looked at each other and went, we never got to ask him his story. Because we all love to tell stories. It's true. You may not even think of yourself as a storyteller, but you love to tell a good story, especially if it's about you. Now, God's story, you're part of, but you're not the main character. You're supporting cats. And God's story gives us our worldview. worldview is the lens that we look at the world through. It's, the, it's that sieve that we sort out our world and interpret our world through. Right? So your worldview helps you determine how to think about the things in your life, in your world. And God's story is built around four basic worldview questions. And I think they're, they're basic worldview questions because everybody, doesn't matter what culture are in, is asking them, maybe not in the exact same way, and may not even know they're asking them, but they're questions that they're asking because they're trying to make sense of their world. They're trying to grab a story. We're going to be going through and... Um, a Track this morning and there were some on the table. Some of you might have grabbed one as you came in. Hopefully you also grabbed The elements for the Lord's table. We're going to participate in the Lord's table later after the sermon um, So if if you want you can get up and grab one of these right now If you didn't grab one of these you can grab one on the on your way out But but you all got one of these as you came in too It's it's a QR code and we actually have it up on the screen and what I'd like you to do, we have it up on the screen. There you go. I'd like you all, if you know how to do this, like you all to take out your phone right now and scan that code. All right? Everybody that's a, a Gen Z and millennial, they're like, yeah, dude, got it. And everybody that's in my generation is going, QR code? Is it? Do I have that on my phone? You might want to go to Photos. At least that's where you go with, with Apple, all right? So scan that, and then once you've scanned that code or you've scanned it off the card, you're gonna end up here. Next slide. At, at an app store, this is the Apple app store. That's the story that you wanna download. Go ahead and download it. Do it right now, all right? What this is gonna do for you is give you an app on your phone And I didn't, I should have done a screenshot of this one, too. It's going to look like this. (laughs) You can all see that, right? Uh, It's going to say story. It's going to have login and sign up. Don't worry about logging in or signing up. There's a menu bar in the upper left-hand corner of your screen. Upper left-hand, yep, got it right. Um, If you click on there, you're going to get a menu. It'll say start, conversation, watch, read, share, account, story maker. All right? There's, there's two ways you can do this. If you're in a conversation with somebody, you can go to the conversation line and it'll give you four worldview questions. You can go to watch and it's gonna show you a video, an option to open up a video you can watch, which we're gonna see in a moment. If you go to read, it's gonna give you the full track. All right? Um, here's what I'd like you to do though. You could go to conversation And scroll, and the first worldview question is right there: How did it all begin? And and that question is is one of, um,
1: why am I alive?
0: Why is there a world? How did everything come into being? Why, why does everything exist the way it does? And and as you can imagine, that worldview question, every culture is asking. They may not know they're asking that, but they're trying to figure out why the trees are the way they are. We're trying to figure out why the world's the way it is. If you scroll past that, what went wrong is the third worldview question. Because everybody wants to know, well, why does the world seem so messed up? Why do we have disease? Why are there wars? Why do people hate each other? You know, why does it seem like there's the, just a, a brokenness in our world? What went wrong? The next worldview question is, is there any hope? So after they think about what's gone wrong and after maybe you're leading a conversation to how did it all begin, what went wrong, the next question logically is, is there any hope? And of course, this is where you get to share the thing you know the best, the gospel story. The story about Jesus. Is there any hope? Yeah, Jesus came. And then the the fourth worldview question, what will the future hold? What will the future hold? not just your own personal future. We're not talking about just retirement. We're not talking about your portfolio. We're we're talking about when you get old and you're ready to close your eyes for the last time, what happens then? What does the future hold? And even what does the future hold for this broken world? Because Jesus didn't come to die just for you. I know that shatters some, some ideas in your head. But he came to die for this creation. He came to redeem the world all of creation, which includes you. God so loved the world. That's all of creation and and it's you. These These are four questions that we're going to explore this morning, all right? The title of the sermon this morning is The Story. And we're going to have four parts this morning. We're going to look at creation. We're going to look at fall. We're going to look at rescue. And we're going to look at restoration. And if you go back to the menu... And you go to um, read, you get the story right there, and it starts out with creation. What I want us to do this morning, to to hear how this story can be told in a way that none of us in this room, myself included, none of us can tell this story as well as this video does. I want you to watch this video, and uh, then that'll give us an idea of kind of where we're going Uh, We'll have a word of prayer and then then we'll launch into talking about this this app, this track, this, this way of sharing the gospel. All right, so watch this video.
1: There is only one story that answers life's most essential questions and gives a lasting sense of purpose and meaning. It's the story that inspires all other stories. It's the true story that defines every one of us. This is that story. How did it all begin? Like all stories, this one begins in the beginning with the author, who is God. He spoke everything into being. With a word, galaxies appeared with stars and planets. Earth was designed for life to flourish. Everything God made was gloriously good and breathtakingly The highlight of God's creation was the first man and woman, Adam and Eve. God entrusted everything He created to His beloved children, giving just one rule. They were not to eat fruit from a specific tree. They lived in loving obedience, worshiping God as their Heavenly Father and enjoying perfect harmony with creation, each other, and God. Considering our world today, its obvious perfect peace didn't last turmoil war sickness troubles we each have our share what went wrong it started when a fallen angel named satan grew jealous of god and determined to ruin the perfection of creation satan took the form of a serpent and enticed adam and eve to question god's goodness and rebel against his one rule in disobedience they ate the fruit and peace unraveled, ushering in sin and death, which still plagues us today. If we are honest, we are very much like Adam and Eve. We all rebel against our Heavenly Father, making our hearts heavy with fear, guilt, and shame. Our bodies are weary with sickness, disease, and death. Earth is afflicted with storms, calamities, and disasters. Even worse, sin has separated us from God, causing a permanent divide, a miserable separation called hell. The fallout of sin has been catastrophic. It's inescapable with no way to fix it, leaving us all to wonder, is there any hope? The love that prompted God to create us also prompted him to send a savior who would set everything right again. As centuries passed, God shared exact details of the coming savior's birth life, and death. Everything in the Bible points to this rescuer. Almost 2,000 years ago, Jesus came to earth as God the Son to fulfill the promise. He was born miraculously, as his mother was a virgin. Just like us, Jesus grew up and experienced life on earth. But unlike us, Jesus never sinned and always obeyed the Father. When Jesus was in his 30s, he began teaching all around Israel pointing people to God's kingdom, and performing many miracles. After a few years, he was wrongly accused and sentenced to an agonizing death on a cross. Jesus lovingly gave up his perfect life as a sacrifice to pay for the sins of mankind. He died a perfect death, taking our place, the innocent for the guilty. But the grave couldn't hold Jesus. Three days later, God brought Jesus to life again. Jesus defeated sin by dying on the cross and defeated death by rising from the dead. Today, Jesus sits at God's right hand as king and judge over all creation. This is the story of rescue God has authored. He invites us through repentance and faith to make his story of rescue the one we trust in and live from. When we do, Everything changes. And now, what will the future hold? For everyone who trusts in Jesus alone for rescue, God has promised to restore your heart and set you free from sin's hold. Because God is loving, kind, merciful, forgiving, tender-hearted, and true. God has also promised to make all things new. One day, there will be a new heaven and a new earth forever free from sin. Everything that causes pain and sadness will be gone. God has also promised to be with us forever. The moment you trust in Jesus, your relationship with God is restored because Jesus has closed the divide sin caused. Getting to know this all loving God starts today and continues forever. For God's story, never ends. You can make God's story the foundation of your life even now by admitting your need for God's rescue, asking forgiveness for your sin, trusting in Jesus Christ alone to rescue you, following Jesus in faith from this moment on. This is God's story. Will you make it yours?
0: so what's really, really great about this app is you can pull that up on your phone. It's right there in the story app, and you can show it. There's also um, uh, part of it, I have to remember, the very bottom of that menu bar, there's called the story maker. That's a children's video that's designed for children that tells the story. You can click on German and it'll say it in German. You can click on Arabic, and it'll do it in Arabic. And as you change languages, sometimes the video changes. So instead of seeing Western buildings, you're going to see Middle Eastern buildings. Um, so it, it's very effective if you have kind of a captivated, captivated audience that wants to take time to look at a video. But you'll always have this app if you always have the phone. You'll, you'll be able to walk through that story track. What we want to do this morning is do that, because here's the thing. You don't need to be a theologian to do this. This is your story. This is your story of salvation. Let's pray before we begin. God, we ask that you would guide us in this. We pray that you would um, thwart the, the, the devil's attempt to convince us that we don't know enough to share the good news of Jesus Christ. God, we pray this morning as we go through this, you would build confidence in each of us to be able to share the good news. And we'll thank you ahead of time. In Jesus' name. Amen. So, the main idea I wanted to get across this morning is God's story answers all our questions. It answers these worldview questions. It talks about creation. And The thing about a story is if you were to jump into, let's say, uh, Tolkien's trilogy, and you jumped into the middle of the second book, in the middle of the book and you started reading, would you understand very much? No. Uh, If you, you pulled up one of Dickens' classics and you started in the middle, you'd be lost. I mean, you could begin to make sense of it, but you'd still be lost. You'd be thinking the good guy was the bad guy and the bad guy was the good guy. So with a story, especially God's story, you want to start with creation. We live in a world here in the United States where the majority of people anymore don't know who Jesus is. So to start with the story of Jesus, you're starting in the middle of the story. They don't understand what sin is. So when you start talking about Jesus dying for sin, they're like, what's that? So, you have to start in the beginning. You want to start with creation. God existed before there was anything. Psalm 90, verse 2, is, is one of the verses that, that, that the story track uses. And this is what it says this is what your Bible says. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. That tells us that God has always been. He's outside of time. He's been from the beginning. Creation. That's a good place to start. You start with God. And then you talk about creation. Genesis 1.1 tells us that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So you start with a perfect God who's always existed, and then you build on that and say, then he created all things. We don't know why. We don't know why, because if he existed outside of creation and time, he existed, and he had no needs. But for some reason, known only to God, he created all that we know. He created this, this world. He created electrons and protons and neutrons. He, he created all the subatomic particles. He created that thing that they're wrestling with, they're dark matter. He, he created light. He, he created the, the, the chemicals that are made up of elements and molecules. He he created everything. He created black holes. Everything that we observe in this universe, I was gonna say creation, is his creation. So when scientists are looking through the Hubble Space Telescope or they're they're getting information back from probes that are on Mars or 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 probes that have gone into the the, the asteroid belt, they're they're getting information that confirms that God made things. They don't know why things work. We do. God made them to work. God created all the plants, all the animals, including the microscopic ones. My, my six-year-old granddaughter got a microscope for Christmas. It's one that I wished I'd had when I was a kid, but they didn't make stuff like that. It, it has this little screen on top of it. You don't have to look through an eyepiece. You don't have to try and focus it. It's right there on the screen to see the stuff that you can't normally see with your, with your eye. He created life. And to top it all off, last of all, what did God create? He created you and me.
1: He created us.
0: He created man and woman. He created them in His image. He created them in His image and likeness. We are image bearers of God. And for some reason, that's the way He's done this, to make us image bearers of Him. And then the last thing we need to know about this creation is that God's creation was in harmony. It was in harmony. Think about it. This is an amazing story. Adam and Eve were in harmony with one another. They existed. It says they didn't have any clothes and they weren't ashamed. It, it says that they, in essence, it's saying they never fought. They always got along they always agreed to agree they got along with the animals the animals weren't afraid of them they weren't afraid of of the animals the temperature was always just right does anybody ever walk into a room and say hey, it's just the perfect temperature in here see not a hand went up because it's always too cold or it's too warm I struggle with the temperature change in the, the the spring and fall, but even now as we're in December, the temperature keeps going up and down, and I don't know if I need a blanket or not a blanket. It was always the right temperature. They had every provision they could ever want. They had all the food they could ever want, the best kind of food. They never turned their nose up to anything. It was an amazing place. There was only one prohibition, one rule that they had to keep track of, and that was don't eat from the tree, in the midst of the garden, in the middle of the garden, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But besides that, I mean, God walked with them every day in the garden. And like a good father, he would listen to them, and they'd say, hey, look what we discovered, and he he created it. But he's like, oh, tell me about it. And they're like, oh, well, let me tell you about this. It It was an amazing creation. Everything was in harmony. Imagine that. It was orderly. It was understandable. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that beautiful? So the first question, how did this all begin? God, creation, harmony. Imagine a world like that. It's almost hard to imagine. He also created us with purpose. He created us with purpose to bring him glory by giving them everything they needed and giving them a mandate. Take care of this for me. He, God made them co-regents of creation, co-rulers in creation. He said, I want you to bring order to this. I want you to name things. I want you to understand things. I want you to tend and take care of the garden. Be a steward of all that I have created. So what went wrong? See, God's story answers all our questions. And it helps to start at the beginning. So you can work into man's condition. Now, what went wrong? A lot went wrong. They had every provision, and yet that wasn't enough, right? They existed in a perfect place. But they listened to a lie. They listened to Satan who deceived Eve. Caused her to think, you know, God's holding back on us. If we were to eat this, Satan said, eat this fruit and you'll become like God. And they thought, you know, he told us not to eat that because he didn't want us to be like him. Now here's here's the thing, as you move through this story, it's everything you've always known. Creation, God, everything was in harmony, fall. But here's the thing, as you begin telling somebody who doesn't understand this, who's never heard this before, and you say the words, it happens to me a lot. I'll say Adam and Eve, and in the back of my mind I'm thinking, oh boy, I whoa, they're just like, stop right there. You're talking about myths and fairy tales and, and children's stories. And you have to ask yourself, do I believe that? Do I believe the lie that that it's a myth, or do I believe the truth that there was an Adam and Eve? This story touches deep into who you are as a follower of Christ. You have the ability to narrate God to this world. But to do that, you you have to embrace what God's Word says. If we pitch Genesis and we start saying it's a bunch of myth, if we pitch it and say you know that's that's just uh, it's just analogies, it's it's you know it was just a way to communicate that there, there was this population of humans that stopped walking around on all fours and and they started walking upright. It, it, if we give in to that kind of thinking of our world right now, then we're going to lose the story. And that's what I feel has happened a lot in Christendom, is we've, we've accommodated culture, we've separated the, the secular and, and the sacred, and, and they were never meant to be separated. We, we were always meant, as followers of Christ, to, to narrate into the world. The the whole reason you had scientific discoveries is because God is a God of order, not a God of chaos. You can discover this world because he made it order. So as you get into the fall, this is where I always get caught and I have to tell myself, no, this is true, this is how it happened. Adam and Eve, they disobeyed God and they ate of that fruit. Was it an apple? I don't know. Was it a pomegranate? I'm not sure. It was a fruit. And they ate of it, and we're told that Eve was deceived, and that Adam ate willingly. The whole time that the, the the Satan through the serpent's talk. And and here's another thing: How did that happen? Well, they got along with all the animals. All right, this is going to blow your mind. I think the animals and the the humans could communicate. I don't know if they actually talked, or if they could communicate with their highly advanced unfallen brains, but they could communicate. And it was not weird for her to be talking to a serpent. It must have happened other times. But on this occasion, Satan had entered into this certain serpent and was deceiving her. And she bought the lie. And she handed it to her husband and she said, Here, eat. He stood there the whole time, men. And he didn't say, Dear, we need to go. Here, come on. He stood there the whole time. And scripture tells us she was deceived, but he ate willingly. And everything changed. Everything changed. Adam and Eve disobeyed God, and now there was consequences of disobedience, which were disastrous. Immediately, there was a change. They looked at each other and they went, oof, Hon, you need to put, put some leaves on or something. Scripture tells us. They, they sewed fig leaves together. It also tells us when God came to walk with them in the garden, they hid. They hid from him. And it it tells us that God said, where are you? Not because he didn't know where they were. He needed them to admit that they were hiding. Everything changed. They disobeyed God. Consequences of disobedience were disastrous. They were told by the serpent that they would not die. God said, the moment you eat of this tree, you'll die. the serpent said, nah, it's it's not going to happen. And so they ate of the fruit. And they didn't die physically, but they died immediately spiritually, and they began to die physically at that point. Spiritually now, there was no longer harmony, and peace was removed from that garden, from that area, from that, that creation of God. The whole world, all of a sudden, fell into disharmony. The animals were... Fearful of them. They were kind of uneasy with the animals. And they didn't want to walk with God. And they hid from Him. Adam and Eve had a need now. So there was disobedience, there was consequences, and now there's a need, and the need was for forgiveness. They had a need. And they didn't know how to fulfill it. God did. God knew how to fulfill that need, and he promises. In Genesis 3.15, he says uh, how he's going to send someone who Satan will will nip at him, but but this one he's going to send is going to crush Satan's head. That's the first promise of redemption in Scripture. And it carries all the way through. You remember in that video, it had the scroll that was doing this. It carries all the way through, not just biblical history, but history where God is revealing himself to people. Remember, he called Abraham out of of what? Out of this population of of idol worshipers. He made a promise to him. And and so now Abraham begins to carry that promise. You don't need to know all kinds of Bible history and Bible theology like I'm jumping into. You need to know that, that God did an amazing thing. His story. His story is that He existed, He created, and there was harmony. And then there was disobedience, and there was consequence. And now there's a need, and the need's for forgiveness. And so God sent His Son. Romans 3.23 says that all have fallen short of the glory of God. All have sinned. And this leads us to the the third question, is is there any hope? And this is where most of us can shine, because we know how to talk about Jesus. But we need to have these first two questions brought up and answered as we go along, as we deal with a culture that no longer knows the Bible and doesn't understand who God is. And so is there any hope? Here's the idea of rescue that comes up. The short answer to that third question is yes, there is hope. There is hope, yes, Amen. There, there's a problem. Sin was ha, has broken the perfection of creation, and He separated people from God. God is perfect. God is holy, and therefore, sinful people can't exist in His presence. And He knew that. And because of His righteousness and His holiness, He had to punish Adam and Eve, and He cast them out of the garden. Right? They were they were removed from the garden. And now they were going to be beginning to die physically, and they were already dead spiritually, but there was a way that he promised. We all fall into this category of sin. Like begets like. Adam and Eve were the first man and woman, and so everybody that comes from them, that's all of us, are born in sin. We're going to participate in the table in a moment, and here's the thing. Jesus was born of a woman. He came at God's proper time, at the end, of, end of, intended time in the fullness of time. God made a promise, right? That's part of the rescue, Genesis 3:15. And he kept his promise. If you read 1 Peter 3:18, it says this for for Christ also suffered once for the sins the righteous for the unrighteous that he might bring us to God being put to death in the flesh and made alive in the Spirit. That's where the the importance of God's forgiveness comes in. He's, He's offered us this salvation. He sent his Son, born of a woman, conceived by the Holy Spirit, to live a perfect life and to die for our sins to die in our place. Imagine that. God is merciful and he's mighty. Those two things need to work together. Otherwise, you you have a tyrant or you have, have a wet noodle. But merciful and mighty as God is, in his holiness, he looked down and he said, these people are sinful. They need a savior. And so he sent a savior. Who could make peace, we talked about that during Advent, who could give hope, who who was who came because of love and produces real joy. See, here's we we just finished Christmas, but here's how you can bring that into a conversation is to talk about Jesus coming. The rescue. God made a promise, and he kept his promise. God's story answers all our questions, but the fourth question needs to be wrestled with: what What does the future hold? What will it hold, and that's restoration. They in the tract, they have Revelation 21, and it's a great it's a great passage. Revelation 21 verses one to three, it says this. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. See, he's going to restore all things back to that time in the garden when Adam and Eve could walk with God. Those who believe in Jesus and trust him as their Savior will one day be in heaven with God and be able to walk with him as it happened in the garden. And amen to that for sure. Jesus will come again to make all things new. But here's the thing we often miss. As soon as we trust Christ as our Savior, he begins doing that in our lives. We inherit eternal life right then. From then on, he's making all things new. He's moving in you. He's given you His Spirit, and He's changing you. He's growing you. He's bringing you into the image of His Son, Jesus Christ. He'll come again to make all things new, and when you believe, you'll forever be with God. The moment you trust Christ as your Savior, the Spirit comes and resides within you and never leaves, and you're forever with God. He's with you now if you know Him as your Savior. As we go into a new year, this is your story. You can tell this story. You don't need to be a preacher. You don't need to be a theologian. You don't need to be a Bible scholar because you know this story. You've trusted it. You've believed it already. God's made all things. There was a fall. There's a rescue. And there's going to be a restoration. Do you believe that? We need to share that. How do I share that? Well, you're talking with a friend and they share their life. And you look at them and, and you think, man, somebody should pray for them. I should probably tell people when I get home, put on Facebook, pray for, pray for Aunt Susie, you know. Why do that? Look at, look at Aunt Susie and, and Uncle Ralph and say, hey, can I pray for you right now? It'll blow their mind. I'll tell you, nine out of ten times the person's going to go, yeah, that'd be great. And then you've just opened a door. When you pray with somebody, there's a moment of intimacy between the two of you as you put your eyes towards God. There's a moment of intimacy where you can look up from that prayer and you can say to them, can I share something with you? Because all of a sudden you're on common ground. And the response may be yes or no. And don't take no as a, as a total rejection. But you have just planted a seed. That you have an answer maybe to the questions of this world. That you have a solution possibly to the lack of joy. And maybe at that moment you can say, hey, can I, if they say no, can, can I share a nap with you? Like, would, would you go to this and just read it? Or there's a video you could see. I mean, make it your own story. Be creative. You're more creative than you think you are. You know how to share this with Aunt Aunt Betty. You know how to share this with with Uncle George, with your neighbor, with your co-worker. That's not going to be weird. It's not going to be creepy. It's not going to get you in trouble with HR. Hey, can we meet for coffee later? I'll talk to you about. It. In the meantime, why don't you get this app? It could change a person's destiny. And as we go into a new year, I want you just to be thinking about that. Think about all that you have because of what God has done. See, God's story answers all our questions. So tell God's story. Share it with and I don't, I don't want you to feel guilty about this. I don't want you to feel pressured by this. I want this to be a natural outflow of your walk with God. A natural outflow. You could even open a conversation as you're talking and say, you know what I was reading the other day in the Bible? It may or may not comp- fit into the conversation. But you're changing topics. You love to tell a story. Tell them your story. Yesterday, I was reading in Lamentations. Well, that that can be a downer. But you know what's neat about Lamentations? It's God's hope. Right in the middle of the book, chapter 3. You can do that. You know what I was reading yesterday? I was reading in the Gospel of Mark. I was reading in... I was reading my devotional, and it had this verse. You can do that. I have every confidence you can. God's story answers all our answers. Tell God's story and rejoice. You have the good news. You have the answer. Your friends, your coworkers, your neighbor, the the barista you go to all the time, you have the answers they're looking for. And the answer really is not plural. It's one person. It's Jesus. We're going to move into the Lord's table right now, but I want to close out this portion with a word of prayer. Father, thank you for your story. Thank you that you've given us the ability to share it, to talk about it. And, Lord, we don't know where this will lead us, but I pray it would lead each of us to a place that you will use us for your glory. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the table was something Jesus put together. I want to say on the fly, but I think he probably gave it a little thought beforehand, but you never know. I mean, he is the author of all things. And when you're the author of all things, is anything ever on the fly? But they're having the Passover meal. They're remembering the Exodus. And he instituted something for the church in that moment. You don't have to be a member of Grace Church to participate this morning. You do have to know Jesus as your Savior. You have to have believed everything we've talked about this morning, what the video talked about, what I've shared this, this morning, you, you have to be able to talk about all, have trusted Him as your Savior for this. Otherwise, it means nothing to you. The bread and the, the, the cup here, they're just pictures, like the Passover meal, the elements of the Passover. So Jesus stops the Passover, and He begins to tell a new story. He he picks up the bread He didn't have to peel the plastic wrapper off it. He already had a nice loaf of unleavened bread. And he said, take, eat, this is my body. Paul tells us that as often as we do this, we proclaim his death until he comes. This is another way to tell the story. God sent his son. And if you remember, John the Baptist, he's doing his thing in the the Jordan. He's baptizing people, and Jesus shows up, and he stops, and he points, and he goes, Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. The only reason Jesus could be a lamb worthy of sacrifice is if he lived a perfect life. And that's what this bread represents. A life perfectly lived. One that you, if given in eternity, could never live, because you're born in sin. Jesus. I want you to take a few moments to to think about John's words, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And I want you to give thanks. Uh, Take some moments now to think about that. Then I'll pray and we'll eat together. Lord God, Heavenly Father, You, for reasons unknown to us, created all that we have, all that we see, all that we don't see, all that we know, all that we don't yet know. You've created it all. And that that perfection was marred, was broken, has been stained by, by Satan. She sent your son who lived a perfect life that he might be able to be the sacrifice, the lamb of God that, that takes away the sin of the world. Father, thank you for sending your son. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Let's eat together. So Jesus, on that same night, you tore back this little piece of foil on a cup. No, he didn't do that. But he did take a cup. And he passed it around. He said, this is the blood of the new covenant. This is my blood. I'm the sacrifice. I'm the Lamb of God who's going to die to cover the sins of the world. He said, do this in remembrance of me. And so we're telling the gospel story. We're telling God's story. Do you see how that fits into this? This is why Paul says, as often as you do this, you proclaim his death. You proclaim this, this story, this thing that you're connected to until he comes. We don't know when, but he is coming again. I'd like you to think about Jesus' words on the cross as you hold this cup in just a short moment of meditation when he said, it is finished. It is finished, meaning he's, he's paid the price. He's died in our place. Think about that for, for just a few moments, and then I'll pray, and we'll, we'll drink together. Jesus, we direct our prayers to you this morning, and we want to thank you for dying on the cross for us. For seeing it through to completion. For dying and not staying dead, but rising again the third day. And for now, interceding for us at the right hand of the Father. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Let's drink together. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Let's stand, lift our voices in song and in worship um, as we close out the service.